0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back, or welcome to, if it's, of course, your first time, to the Branded Podcast. So, this week's guest is Dan Ariely. Now, Dan Ariely is somebody who I'm sure most of you have heard of. Uh, he is the author of Predictori- Predictably Irrational, he's the author of The Payoff. Um, along with many other projects and books that uh, really explore the interesting ways that we as human beings go about uh, the decisions that we make. Now, this episode really focused on an interesting concept, something that I perhaps would not think about as a brand, per se, but it is the thing that all brands are predicated upon, and that of course is money. So um, we focus on this topic because Dan has a a new book that um, is coming out named uh, Dollars and Cents, which I would implore you all to pick up uh, after you hear this conversation. So. Um, without further ado, let's get into the episode with myself and Dan Ariely as we speak about brand and the brand of money. Enjoy. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to have you on the show um, for a lot of reasons, but um, you know your work has been incredibly highly. Uh, regarded, um, and you know, it's exciting for me because you know trying to understand people and the confusing uh, ways that we make decisions and go about um, everyday life. And I've, uh, I've uh, especially enjoyed your um, your books, Predictably Irrational, and the payoff. Uh, I wish I read recently, and um, yeah, it's uh, you know it's especially relevant uh, for me to be speaking with you um, because the podcast is about the intersection of brand, uh, uh, it's, which obviously encompasses people, and how brands uh-huh. and uh, it, how brands are changing um, with the emergence of new technology. Now uh-huh. I think this is especially relevant with your new book, Dollars and Cents, um, because brands, after all, are you know they're all really at the uh, at the fundamental level fighting for you know everybody's hard-earned dollars.
1: That's right. Actually, um, so you know I did not think about it uh, this way, but you're absolutely right. So so Dollar and Cents is is a book about how we evaluate things, hmm. right? So. Uh, when you when you see a phone, how what, how do you figure out what how to evaluate what is it worth to you, and and we talk at length about all kinds of value cues. Mm. Um, so, for example, one really interesting one is effort. Mm. Um, I'll give you two two uh, examples. One is imagine that you're evaluating art. Yep. You come to an art gallery, and there's a painting. And they ask you not just to look at it, but to pick it up, to hold it around the frame and to lift it up and to move it around and to look at it, how it reflects from different lights and so on. And sometimes the frame is just a very light frame, and sometimes the frame is filled with lead. <laughs> okay. What happens? The people think that when the frame is lead, the people think the art is more important, mm-hmm. is, is more, is more uh, valuable, uh, worth more. Right? it's a It's a value queue that is not really relevant, but people nevertheless uh, use that to for their judgment. Or here's another example, more connected to efforts. <laughs> um, imagine that you come to Durham, North Carolina, where I live, yep. and you're looking for a parking spot and you find a parking spot next to a parking meter, and you look in your pocket and you say, you don't you don't have a quarter, and I happen to pass by. And you say, excuse me, do you have a quarter? I say, yes, I have a quarter. I'll send it to you for a dollar. <laughs> Most people say, go away. I'm not spending a dollar <laughs> for a quarter.
0: Yep.
1: Case number two, case number two. You come into park, you park, parking meter, you look in your pockets, you don't have a, a quarter. I pass by, you say, do you have a quarter? And I say, look, I don't have a quarter. But there's a bank four blocks down the street. If you want, I'll run really quick there. I'll run really quick back, I'll change a dollar for quarters, and if you want, I'll give you a quarter. But if I run all this distance for you, how would you feel about paying me a dollar? Now you would feel really good about it. Now, in every possible way, the second deal is worse, right? You have to wait.
0: Yeah, you have to wait time.
1: Right, so wait wait time. But why are we happier with the second deal? It's because somebody ran for us. Right. So if you think about this this notion of effort, right? It's it's not that we're doing a conscious thing and we say, oh, you know, I would really love this if people just rent for me, <laughs> right? But but a lot of the communication is about value cues, and value cues such as uh, effort are incredibly important about what has gone, what has gone into it. It's something that Apple does quite well. Absolutely. Right? Think about when Apple, when people at Apple get on stage, they tell you these amazing stories about how the hinges for the laptop were created from what kind of metal, and you can say it's nonsense. Why do I care? We care.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, we care. Yeah, I think that I think yeah. brand is a, is a lot of that. I mean, you see that. I, the first thing that came to mind when you said that was this idea of craft coffee. You know, where where. You know, they're pouring, they're pouring it over right in front of you, right? And then you're, you're fine, $7 for coffee, no problem, right? Um,
1: that's right. I, I was just in San Francisco. Where it's the, you know, kingdom of expensive coffee. Right. And exactly. and that's exactly it. I, was, I forget what what the name of the coffee shop was, maybe Phil's or something like that. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, somebody is standing there, and they have a little wooden thing, and then they have... Um, a little filter and they put some coffee in it and they have a timer and it's like a sand clock timer and they, they pour the water very slowly. Now my guess that the quality of the coffee would have been just the same if they made it by a gallon, right? Right. Right? They would just have a big piece of wood. (laughs) They would pour the water quickly. I don't think anybody could tell the difference, but you know, you're not willing to pay. And by the way, the line is amazing, right? right. Because they, they take five minutes to make each cup of coffee, so the line is amazing. But of course, if they made it in a gallon and just poured it, nobody would pay that amount.
0: Right. Now, to- and and, Sorry, and, and by the
1: way, there's something that is <laughs> there's something that is real, and something that is fake about this. And you know, on one hand, you could say standing there and looking at the coffee being made it would have been just the same in a blind taste taste, i don't think i would have been able to tell the difference right but at the same time it does feel different right getting coffee from this guy who was pouring it slowly with the sand clock was was an adventure right it 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 was like a little ceremony right it was almost a, i'm not saying religious in the sense of believing in god but there was there was a, a ritual Exactly the power. And of and I am sure the whole thing was much more enjoyable. So so these things, even if you can't taste the difference in terms of coffee in a blind taste, doesn't mean that showing effort is a bad thing. It does create a higher appreciation.
0: Absolutely, and that's what brands are, are really are really looking for. But um, uh, now a little bit more on a, on a, maybe a meta like level. Um, do you think money itself has a has a brand?
1: Well, I think now it does, right? You have uh, Bitcoin and right. uh, you have Ethereum, so, you know, right. and, and, and people think differently about this. Um, so, so it's a really interesting question, and, and I would say yes. Okay. And I would say maybe not even enough. I, it's a re- I, I haven't thought about it before like this, but I think, I think the answer is yes, and I think we need to do more of it. And, and let me give you an example. Okay, great. There's a study that I really love. It's a study that took kids on the day that they were born and randomly opened to half of them college savings accounts. Okay. And the other was not. Half yes, half no. And they put $500 in these college savings accounts, right? Not enough to go to college. Right. And then they went back and they visited those kids when they were four years old. Okay. And guess okay. what? The kids with college savings accounts performed better in terms of social and cognitive skills.
0: Wow.
1: Shocking, right? How can it be? Now, how can it be that the kids with college savings accounts perform better? Do the kids know that they have college savings accounts? Of course not. But the parents know. Right. And the parents, once a month, the parents, once a month, get a statement that says, this little kid, while still in diapers, has a college savings account. Right. And the parents think about their kids a little differently, right? It's a mindset question. Right. And and they and they read to them a little bit more, they buy a few more books, and small things over four years make a big difference. Now, with that data, we recently convinced the Israeli government to start a college savings account since January 2017 for every kid on the day that they are born. <laughs> and when we started this, the people from the Ministry of Finance said let's just reduce the price of college. Mm. Why just open this account? And we said, it's not the same thing. Right. It's not the same thing to grow up knowing that you have uh, this account. Now, from that perspective, I think that this is exactly branding, right? You can say money is just money is just money, but no, you take a piece of money and you call it call it savings account, and all of a sudden you change how people think about this. Mm. Now, I'll, I'll give you something even more important. Okay. Think about saving versus spending. Right. Actually, let me take you a step back. I'll take you a step back. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was in Soweto a few years ago. Soweto is a slum in South Africa. Yeah. And, and I walk around, and I try to understand kind of what's going on, the lay of the land, what mis- decisions people make. I kind of just observe. Okay. And I, And I see a father... Buying funeral insurance for a week. So funerals in South Africa are very expensive. It's their big celebration of life. It's actually the end of life. People spend up to two years of income on that on funerals. Wow! And his father, very poor guy, bought funeral insurance for a week, which means it would only cover him if he dies in the next seven days. Hmm. Right? Very very poor people. Right. And when he gets the certificate in a very ceremonious way he hands it to his son and as he's doing this i'm thinking to myself what is this guy doing i said you know think about his family on the day that you as a breadwinner put money into saving or insurance what is the family going to see they're going to see less right Mm -hmm. there's going to be something less tonight on the table if you're very poor it's going to be less tonight if you're not very poor, it will be less soon. But but it's going to be less. And now, imagine what will happen if what happens if you're a breadwinner and you get pride providing for your family. You put food on the table, toys for the kids, whatever it is. How much pride do you get from savings?
0: Mm, not not much. that much. Yeah,
1: not that much, right? And I think now that you're asking this, I think it could be a really interesting exercise to say how do we brand saving how do we brand insurance so it's more top of mind uh, that people care more about they pay more attention to it because if we're not going to pay attention to it it's not going to have any effect on our behavior mm. right so right now we're only branding spending uh, exactly right yeah. should we should we start thinking about how do we brand saving as well I think it's a really interesting thought
0: yeah. That, so, so okay. So, as a bit of an aside to that, it's like I think mm, maybe connected to or or parenthetical to this idea of spending is also this idea of status signals, which is also connected to this idea of brand. Um, so, do you think by uh, branding savings, the status signals obviously have to change and, and maybe what do the status signals uh, uh, look like um, when you're branding saving as opposed to spending?
1: Just you know. Yeah, so, so I think there are ways there are ways to do it. If you think about they call it savings accounts is, is one example. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one other example. Imagine you go to work. You go to work. It's your first day, and um, <coughs> it's your first day, and you sign up for 401k. Now, let's say your salary is a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you have to decide how much of it you put in 401k, and the rest you bring to the family. Right. Whatever you bring to the family, the family knows about. Whatever you leave in 401k is hidden. It's unknown. It's a mystery. Right. So imagine the following example. Uh, before you can decide how much to put in your 401k, you have to call your significant other. And you have to decide together how much money to put there. What happens? People put more away.
0: Mm.
1: Why? Because all of a sudden, it's a joint decision, and it's not a hidden decision. Mm. It's, it's not money that you leave behind. It's money that both you and your significant other know that you're saving for your family. Mm. Very, very different story. So it's not branding like you would brand um, Porsche, but it is branding in a sense that it's giving it a name and a purpose and a connection and a sense of meaning.
0: Right. Now, um, hmm, that's incredibly interesting. Now, um, uh, again, with this idea of, of status signals, do you now, just in terms of generations, like, um, you know, you you read all the time, or at least I have been reading a lot about this idea of experiences versus things, um, mm-hmm. and how past generations really enjoy owning things that are physical, etc. And these, this new generation uh, likes experiences. Now, um, I'm a little bit confused about that, uh, and I think maybe it's a little bit flawed <laughs> for, for the for the following reason. Um, I, I I read this book by um, Daniel Kahneman, which I'm sure you're aware of, um, and yeah. he talks about the remembering self versus the experiencing self. Now, if you're yeah. going through these experiences with the anticipation of a future memory, right, and trying to capture that in the present moment, doesn't that kind of take away from the uh experiencing self and then uh how, how how should brands in your opinion think about this and designing uh experiences maybe in store or with their products themselves um uh you know to 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 think about this kind of generational shift
1: okay so lots of questions yeah. so first of all in general in general we think that life is better if you buy experiences and if you buy stuff right okay And the reason is that we get used to stuff. You buy a new sofa, and you say, I'll be really happy. And you are really happy, but for a short time, and then you get used to it. When you buy an experience, uh, there's actually three periods for that experience. There's the time before the experience, anticipation. There's the moment of the experience, or the week of the experience. And then there's the time after. And some experiences change us after like running a marathon, doing a scuba diving trip. Those things change who we are in fundamental ways. They give us different confidence, ability, memories, and so on. Mm. And because of that, something stays with us often for longer than if we buy stuff. So that's the first thing to understand, is that not all experiences, but some experience lasts longer than, um, uh, than, than the joy that we get from stuff. And now the second. Issue is to talk about millennials or whatever generation you want to talk about and say are they different? Mm-hmm. And and I'll tell you I don't think they are different. I think the environment is different.
0: Mm. How so?
1: And and here are two things that have happened. One is it's really hard to buy a house these days. Yeah. Right. If you if you were thirty years ago in San Francisco, you could buy a house. Right if you're today in san francisco even if you work at google um, you you're lucky if you can uh, rent a house together with three other people right so 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 part of it is that they're unable right. to spend money on 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 housing right right so so now you know what do you do if you can't if you can't buy a house so by the way here's a thought experiment that we could never do but imagine the prices of housing would drop now to their level in, you know, 2000. Mm-hmm. Do you think the millennials would, would also not buy homes and would only, you know, use Uber and go to expensive restaurants? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't think so either, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> so, so, so we tend to attribute it to their personality or some generational thing, but I think it's just, you know, housing is just so expensive. It, it's It's unaffordable, which is a huge problem, but anyway, so that's one thing. The second thing is, of course, social media.
0: Right.
1: Social media is showing us lots and lots of wonderful things to do, uh, at, at a level that we that we never knew existed. Right. For example, somebody just sent me these amazing images of a bubble hotel in Iceland. Okay. It's it's this little it's like a little tent that you get that is fully transparent and heated and you could sit in it and observe the aurora, the northern lights. Wow, wow. Right, and, and and you know, and we have this way to communicate that and to show amazing pictures of how it looks like, <laughs> and this was a week ago and I still think about this. <laughs> how could my life be complete right. without, <laughs> without doing it? Completely unclear. So <clears throat> temptation is higher, the ability to buy um, housing is lower, so I think that's created a generational shift. <clears throat> there's another, another thing that I wonder. Tell me what you think about, which is, I think there's also an erosion of trust. Absolutely. With with the new generation and um, and, and trust is really interesting, right? So so if if you look if you look at some brands today, they. They basically give you more and more information about all the ingredients and what they have and and so on in an attempt to gain, I think, to gain trust. Now, it's not exactly trust, right? A trust would be a brand that would say, trust me, I have only healthy ingredients here. You don't need to look at them,
0: Mm.
1: right? That would be real trust.
0: Mm.
1: But instead, what we do is I think we've developed this suspicion of organizations. We've seen too many things when companies are taking advantage of people um, chasing a quarterly bottom line rather than thinking long term. And I think we lost we lost trust. Mm. And I think one of the one of the questions for brands is how do you gain trust and how do you communicate uh, trust? Because um, I look I look at also the role of social media and, and for product recommendation, it's really odd. So. So I have lots of good friends, people I love, respect, admire. But, you know, if I wanted to buy a digital camera, they, they are really not experts right. in that. I don't know why I would go to my friends for anything, <laughs> right? I, I can go to professionals for recommendations, not right. to amateurs who I like as individuals. But, but as we have less and less trust in professionals, we turn to our friends um, for, for trust, Right? So, so imagine, imagine that you look for employees. If you don't trust anybody, you would hire people from your family because at least you know you can trust them. Right? They might not be ideal workers, but at least they're going to be loyal. Uh, so I think we're kind of substituting loyalty for quality because trust is eroding. So I think one of the challenges is to say, how do we... How do brands return trust to themselves? And, and the thing about trust is that they have a separate evaluation of trust for each brand and um, think about banking right? right not all banks have been equally uh, awful in the you know events that led to the financial crisis in 2008 right but, but it doesn't matter bunch a lot of trust in banking in general
0: right absolutely
1: so, so, so the, the problem do what to do with building, building trust. So, so is it is it generational? Uh, yes and no. I think yes. I think we. I think uh, trust is being eroded. We need to fix it. I think the new generation is particularly sensitive to that. I think experiences are the only things that are within their financial reach. So we need to think about uh, about that. So I think uh, social media is the way of communication. So we need to think about that. It's not that they've changed personality, but a lot of the mechanics uh, of the young generation are different.
0: And do you see any, maybe, um, best-in-class, not brands per se, but ways that from your um, work and experience in behavioral economics that trust is kind of uh, uh, created? from Just from a human perspective, not even necessarily a um, brand perspective.
1: So, so I'll tell you what, uh, what we've done. Uh, do, do you know this company called lemonade?
0: Yes, I do. I actually just saw it a couple of days ago. It's an insurance company. That's right. Yeah.
1: So, so I, uh, I joined uh, that uh, insurance company early, early in the day. And the, the thing we wanted to do was to, to be um, a digital insurance company, right? Right. No big offices, no jets, uh, things are fast, efficient and so on. Yeah. Um, but we also wanted to create an insurance company that is trusted. Right. Now, here's, here's the fundamental flaw of regular insurance company. Uh, you pay your premium, let's say every month, yep. and at some point something bad happens, and you want them to pay for this thing, to whatever happened. And the insurance company prefers not to pay, right? Um, it's a zero-sum game. If they pay you, they have less money and they determine the procedures so they make it hard for us to claim money and they and we know it so we exaggerate and they know it so they mistrust us and you have a circle of mistrust right so we said okay let's 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 start with a different structure let's tell people let's collect people around the charity let's say the world wildlife fund okay and then we say look we're an insurance company we take a fixed percentage And if there's money left over at the end of the year, the insurance uh, company will give it to the World Wildlife Fund. Hmm. So now, if you basically claim too much, you're not taking from us, you're taking from the charity. Right. So so an insurance company regular is a a zero-sum game between you and the insurance company.
0: Right.
1: We've basically take a fixed amount and the zero-sum game is between you and the charity
0: right so
1: if people cheat they cheat the charity and then we also tell people look we trust you so we we um, fulfill claims in seconds we Hmm. fulfill claims in three seconds we just trust people and people back we had quite a few things where people called back and said you know what i told you i lost my laptop you you shipped me now i found how do i return the money wow and, you know, it's kind amazing. Like, like the, the problem is for a long time, we, we have this adversarial relationship between companies and consumers. It's, it's, it's a zero-sum game. Companies are competing and so on. And I think we need to shift to something that is more long-term, is to say to individuals, we care about you in the long term. We don't have a conflict of interest. Here we are. We're transparent. We're clear. And because of that, you can trust us. Right, then we can trust you.
0: Yeah. Huh. Okay, so I, I want to be cognizant of your time, but I just have two more uh, questions here that I would love to ask you. Um, the first is about the yeah. pain of paying. Uh, yes. Uh, which I know is in in the um, in the, the the book Dollars and Cents, and um, you know technology in many cases abstracts away the you know the pain of of paying. Um, you know, exactly. yeah. algorithms or slick UX, whatever it may be. Now. Um, I'm curious, especially with money, like brands like Wealthsimple and Wealthfront and these robo advisors and these type of experiences. You know, it's it's the, the pain of paying is really is really gone in some in some sense. And what are they doing? And they it's just algorithms, you know, running in the background with your with your money. Um, is this good? Is it bad? Why? Kind of. What do you think about them? Uh, I'm just curious yeah. on your, your your take.
1: Yeah. So the pain of paying is the basic idea that if you pay for an expensive meal with cash, it's, it's more agonizing if you pay with a credit card. Right. And if you pay with Apple Pay or Android Pay, it's even less. Right. So it's basically saying that when we part with money, we feel bad about it. Uh, but the method of payment uh, changes the way we, we think about it. And some methods of payment create high pain of paying. Some, some don't. Now, the thing, the thing about it is that it can either be good or bad. If you basically started using Apple Pay and Android Pay for everything around your daily life, odds are you would spend more and save less. You would think less about opportunity cost. Right. And that I don't think would be good. I, I would hate I would hate for the world to be kind of just payment without thought. Right. Right? So even though you know if you drive in a cab you and you see the meter, it's really annoying compared to using an Uber or Lyft. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it gets you to think about money, which is good. So so I think there are some things where I would like to bring more pain of paying in. Okay. There are other things that I, where I would not like it. So, for example, uh, robo-advising, they help you save more. Right. Right. If you move money to saving, I'm happy for it not to have uh, the pain of paying. And and that's, by the way, true for money in general. There's no simple answer. It's to say, is, is this... Mechanism helping us or hurting us and it's an activity that is good for us or not good for us. And then we can design something that is better.
0: Hmm. Okay, now um, this is the last uh, uh, like, regular structured question and then I'm just going to get into some kind of quick fire stream of consciousness what I think will be really interesting uh, with you. But, um, so the question is if you had to give 50% of your disposable income to one brand, uh, which would it be, and, and why? And I think you know there. To there, there to, might...
1: to, to one brand to us, To buy stuff or to, to or to just give it as charity or you know, what? Why,
0: to buy stuff for yourself, your family, who you care about, only one brand, and I, and 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 why you would choose that brand.
1: Um. Very good question. So the thing I would want to do is I would want to do it on high quality food.
0: Hmm.
1: because I think we, we don't eat uh, good food enough uh, but there's really no one brand that does that right? there's no one brand that you would say it's 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 a good brand for food in general hmm. um, so if I had to pick something else um, I would probably pick clothing okay I would probably pick a brand that is uh, environmentally conscious and high quality like Patagonia or something like
0: that. Wow, okay. And is there something that they do specially about their messaging or, or uh, how they communicate or how they gain have gained your trust that makes them come to mind?
1: Yeah. So, so Patagonia, the the people there are really, uh, you know, they, they test their clothes. They, they actually all love hiking. Mm. So so hiking for me, uh, I I do like I do like hiking and uh, being outside. But even when I'm not, the fact that something could sustain nature makes me believe that it's also a higher quality and uh, better even when I'm not uh, outdoors mm. with it. Right? It's a good it's a good signal for quality for me.
0: Right.
1: So I like the authenticity of that brand. I like the fact that they are environmentally caring. I like the fact that they spend uh, time and money on trying to innovate on, uh, on fabric. I love the fact that they use their own uh, products, that they test them thoroughly. All of those things make me feel that they are authentic, real, and that they're, they, whatever they're doing is, is uh, high quality. Excellent.
0: Awesome. Um, and you know what, actually, just quickly before we get into the stream of uh, consciousness, the reason I, I qu- chose that question to ask last is because, you know, I know that the, the peak end point that you should, you know, probably be <laughs> <that's> interesting. <laughs> so use of your the knowledge that I've gained from you. Um, so so this last section is just a quick fire stream of consciousness. So I'm just going to say a phrase, and I just want to know the first thing that comes to your mind. And there's um, five of them, Okay. Okay, I'm
1: closing my eyes. I'm focusing, yes.
0: Okay, so when I say money, you think? Kids. Hmm. When I say branding, you think? Porsche. Brands of the past are?
1: So, so the thing that comes to mind actually is a commercial, okay, um, for old Volkswagen, that was so demeaning to women that it shocked me when I saw it. Wow! But you know, it it, it, it was it was the cultural thing to do in the fifties.
0: Hmm. Okay. Brands today are,
1: I would say, something like a little sleeker, hmm. uh, not always in a good sense.
0: Hmm. That's that's true. Um, brands in the future need to
1: be more trustworthy
0: Hmm. excellent dan that was awesome it was great thank you so much for taking the time my pleasure
1: my pleasure looking forward to next time
0: absolutely um cool okay so that was the episode with dan Ariely, obviously and i learned a lot um so i hope you did too Please be sure to check out Dan's new book, Dollars and Cents, as well as just check out his TED Talks and his website where you can you know, find all of his other books and projects um, that are incredibly interesting. I think, you know, with, you know, brand and, and building brand and products is, you know, underlying that is really just trying to understand people. And you can't understand people if you don't understand the assumptions that we as humans bring to the table. And Dan obviously does a great job of just blowing a lot of the assumptions that I, as well as many others, have, um, uh, you know, that we bring to the table. So, yeah, I would say, you know, just check out Dan uh, on his website, www.danarielli.com dot com and if worse comes to worse just do a google search and he'll be all over there so um without uh saying anything more have a great day or morning or evening wherever you are and uh thanks for listening